Ephesians chapter 1, beginning at verse 15 this morning. Ephesians chapter 1, beginning at verse 15. I will save the announcements till after our service today. I I never want to break the Spirit, but I especially felt impressed not to break the Spirit this morning and what He has begun through our worship time. I want to speak to us today about an identity crisis. And I know most of us, our minds would probably go to certain, certain things in the world, certain people of the world, when we think about people struggling with an identity crisis. But I think the greatest identity crisis in the world today was found in the church. I don't think we, as the people of God, we, the church, really know who we are. And that's what Paul wants to talk to the church at Ephesus about. He's saying to us through this study of Ephesians that the local church, each and every community of believers, is to be a theater For the glory and the wisdom of God. But how can we declare the wisdom of God? How can we see the glory of God in the church if we don't even really know who we are? And so that's why we begin reading in verse 15 of Ephesians chapter 1. For this reason, that phrase always goes back, obviously, to what has just been said. And Paul said in the first chapter, the first 14 verses, that you and I, as the children of God, as the church, have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. Ephesians 1, verse 3. We are blessed, for He has blessed us. And then in verse 10, last week, we saw that That in God's administration of the universe, he headed up all things in Christ. Which meant that anything of true value and worth, anything that was eternal, anything that we really needed, we can find in Christ. So therefore, if we have Christ, we have everything. If we don't have Christ, then we really have nothing of lasting worth and value. Ephesians 1 Verse 10. So when he begins verse 15, he says, so for this reason, because we've been blessed with all spiritual blessings, because if you have Christ, you have everything. He says, because of this, I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. By the way, we could speak a message just about that, but that's not our purpose this morning. And then Paul goes on to say, I do not Cease to give thanks for you when I remember you in my prayers. What a great verse from one Christian to others. But then here's the specifics of his prayer. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you spiritual wisdom, supernatural insight, and revelation into your growing Knowledge 
of him. Of who? Of Jesus. Paul says, here's the deal. If you and I as the church, the theater of the glory and wisdom of God, if if we're going to know who we are, that's only going to come through a growing knowledge of Jesus Christ. See, so many Christians today, legitimate Christians, they truly know the Lord. They know him, but they know him in salvation only. They know him as their savior, and that's as far as their knowledge goes. They have no progressive, deeper, more intimate acquaintance with Jesus other than that. I know that he's my savior. But Paul says, if we're ever going to know our identity, if we're ever going to truly discover who we are, in order to be able to declare the wisdom of God and to see the glory of God fall in our community of believers, then we all have to begin to discover who we are. And that comes by knowing him more. See, in the world, the world says, you want to find yourself? Focus on yourself. That's the world's philosophy. The problem is for the Christian, that will never get us to our identity. We don't find ourselves by focusing on ourselves. We find ourselves by focusing on Christ. By establishing a pattern and habit of behavior where we are continually and progressively becoming more and more acquainted with Jesus Christ. Having a growing knowledge of Him. That's why I love seeing so many people from the Oasis out yesterday for that workshop on how to study the Bible and get more out of your time in God's Word. That is evidence that God is working here because people aren't satisfied with just where they are in their knowledge of God. They want a growing knowledge of God. They want to become even more intimately acquainted with Jesus Christ. And I love the fact, too, that in these first couple verses, we also see that this is something that Paul, one Christian, is praying for other Christians for. And there's also now this groundswell within our church about making prayer uh, even more prominent in in our community of believers. And that's why out there at the information table today, There's a sign-up sheet for any of you that would like to get involved more in our prayer ministry and becoming sort of part of a prayer chain. So when we get prayer requests in, somebody is in need of prayer, you could be contacted by somebody in the church and know who and what to pray for. To be part of a prayer meeting every once in a while. To pray with people before and after church and all that. That's what Paul's doing. He's praying. And notice, Paul isn't praying for physical needs, although it's nothing wrong with praying for... But Paul is praying for the spiritual growth of the Ephesian Christians. That's what he's praying for. He said, I know you know the Lord already. I'm praying that you grow to know him more and more because that's where our identity is. It's in Christ. If we've been blessed with all spiritual blessings in Christ and if in God's administration of the universe, he's headed up all things in Christ, Ephesians 1.10, then we better know Christ 
Because our identity is wrapped up in him. Who we are is who he is, if you will. And that's the only way we really understand our identity. That's why we have an identity crisis in the church today. Because so many churches out there today, so many community of believers and so many Christians personally are not making a growing knowledge of Jesus Christ a priority. They're not teaching the word at the depth to be able to grow that we need in order to find our identity. And many Christians are not willing to put forth the work and the effort that it takes, as we talked about yesterday in that workshop that Stephen had, to to gain that growing knowledge. We want it just handed to us. We somehow don't want to put the effort in. And then we struggle with knowing who we are. Our identity as a church or as churches and our identity as individuals. Many churches today have no clue what their identity is. In their minds, we're achieving the plan and purpose of God because we're physically growing. We're experiencing physical growth. We're busting at the seams. We're spreading satellite campuses all over the valley. We've got all these facilities. And that's our idea of achieving God's purpose and plan for the church. But they spend very, very little effort on getting their people into an environment where they can grow in their knowledge of Him. And even for us here at the Oasis, though we see God moving us in that direction to have our own facility and have our own place where we can go other than running here at Basha, that that's only so that we can open up more opportunities as we did even yesterday to get our people to grow in the knowledge of Him. Buildings will never be the emphasis here. Physical growth alone will never be the emphasis here. What will always be the emphasis in this community of believers will be that we are here to grow in our knowledge of Him. That's how we realize who we are. That's where our identity is. And notice what Paul goes on to say then in verse 18. Once you and I are committed to growing in our knowledge of Him, it all of a sudden starts to open up our eyes and our our minds to other things. Since the eyes of your... Or since, since your eyes of your heart, which is really another way of saying your mind, has been enlightened. Notice the next phrase. So that you may know. Notice that the so that you may know is built on a growing knowledge of Him. In other words, if I just as a Christian focus on growing in my knowledge of Jesus Christ and plumbing the depths of who He is, all of a sudden I'm going to start knowing other things that I will only know if my focus is on a growing knowledge of Him. I love what Paul said in Philippians 3.10. He said to the Philippian Christians, My aim, my goal in life, My passion in life is to know Him, Jesus Christ. Philippians 3.10. And I love what the Lord said through the prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 9. He says, here's what the Lord says. 
The wise person should not glory in his wisdom. The powerful person should not glory or boast that he's powerful. The rich person should not boast that he's rich. If you want to boast, God says then boast in this. Boast that you understand and know me. That, boast in that. And yet we live in a world today where wise people are doing nothing but boasting in their wisdom. Powerful people are doing nothing but boasting in their power. And rich people are doing nothing but boasting in their riches. And yet, the highest value target is a growing knowledge of him. Jesus even said in John 17, 3, this is eternal life. You want to know eternal, abundant life? It's knowing God. That's it. Knowing God. And so Paul says, as we grow in our knowledge of him, we will also come to know this. First of all, what is the hope of his calling? Do you know what your calling is? Do you know every Christian has a calling of God on their life? Not just those in full-time ministry. Every church has a calling. We clearly at the Oasis know what our calling is as a church, but many churches today don't. They don't have a clue. If you ask the leaders of those churches, do you know what your calling as a church is? They couldn't concisely and clearly tell you. And as individual Christians, we each have a calling of God. But we don't know what that calling is unless we're willing to invest in a growing knowledge of Him because it's out of that growing knowledge of Him that we will come to know, first of all, what is the hope of His calling in our life? And then second, I love this. And we're going to talk a little bit more about this in just a few moments. What is the wealth of His glorious inheritance? And don't miss these next three words. In the saints. Do you see what Paul's saying there? He's saying, do you realize that because you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing and, and God has administratively gathered up and headed up all things in Christ, that if you have Christ, you are wealthy beyond belief. You're rich. God has poured his wealth, his spiritual wealth into your life and my life. And so Paul is saying, do you realize then as you look around, and even this morning, look around at your brothers and sisters in Christ. Do you realize the wealth around you? That's what Paul's saying. Because here's why we don't see each other that way. Because we don't see ourselves that way. We don't see ourselves as anything. Most people in the church today see themselves as, as weak and as empty. And yet Paul's going to tell us in a minute, no, we're full. The reason we don't know we're full is we've lost our identity because we're not growing in our knowledge of him. We've been cut off from our head, Jesus Christ. And we've lost our way and we've lost our life. Paul says, no, each one of us is an example of the wealth of God. And so we need to not only look at ourselves differently, we need to look at our brothers and sisters differently and see that God has placed us in a community of believers where we are surrounded by God's wealth, because we have these brothers and sisters in Christ who've also been filled by God. They also have the Holy Spirit. They also have all these gifts and abilities and talents and things that God has placed within them to bless his church, to bless his people. Do we realize how wealthy we are here today in our lives? 
if Christians did see this more, they wouldn't be able to stay away from their local church and their fellowship of their fellow believers because they would see how being around such wealth of God, their brothers and sisters in Christ could enhance and encourage their own spiritual life. But see, again, we don't look at our brothers and sisters that way because we don't look at ourselves that way. We don't see the wealth that God has placed in us. So therefore, it's very hard for us to see the wealth that God has placed in anybody else. Paul says, when you and I begin to grow in our knowledge of him, we will not only understand the hope of our own calling, we will also begin to understand the wealth of his glorious inheritance in the saints. And then I'd love this next thing. And what is the incomparable greatness of his power? The above and beyond magnitude of the power of God that notice is where it's directed towards us. Paul is saying, get this, folks, the almighty God, the power that is greater than any power in the universe is directed toward the church. It is directed toward the saints of God. God is willing and wants to share His supernatural strength with us every day. Again, how sad when the church is so anemic and impotent because we've lost our identity. We don't realize what we already have. See, instead of the church coming to gather together every Sunday or whenever we gather together to get something from God because we feel so weak and empty, the church should actually be gathering together every time to acknowledge and appreciate what we've already been given. Our problem is we don't see what we've already been given. The eyes of our heart have not been enlightened because somehow we don't realize how full and how blessed we are. And yet God says, I've already given you all this. You just don't notice it. Again, like last week, it's like the person who's living in the universe that God created and has no clue as to the creator that that created it all. They don't see the correlation between this unbelievable universe that they live in and the one who made it all happen. The sad thing is that's how many Christians live their lives. They have all this in their lives already. They have all the love of God that's been poured out into their hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to them. Romans 5, 5. We have the peace of God. We have the joy of God. We have the power of God. We have the wealth of the saints of God. We have all this already, and yet we think we're weak and empty. God, I need something. God, give me something. I'm so weak. I'm empty. I got nothing. And God's looking at his people going, what do you mean you got nothing? I've blessed you with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. I've headed up everything in Christ. You got Christ, you got everything. I've given you my hope of this calling. I've given you the wealth of the saints around you and you yourself. I've given you my supernatural power to live with and live by every day. If you're not doing it, it's not because I haven't given it to you. It's because you don't recognize it, appreciate it, and appropriate it because you don't know who you are. And that's the greatest identity crisis that we're living with today. 
Not the identity crisis out there in the world as bad as they are that people anymore don't know what gender they should be or what gender they should be attracted to. Those things are bad. But I'm telling you, the worst crisis in the universe as far as identity crisis is that the people of God have lost sight of who we are. So notice what Paul goes on to say about this power. He says, first of all, this power that he has toward us who believe, he has displayed this in the exercise of his immense strength throughout history. You, you and I think about even just the Bible stories about the power of God. And when I think about the power of God, I, I not only think about generally about just creation itself, but then you move in and, and you, you see like the power of God displayed in the book of Exodus with the parting of the Red Sea and all of those things. And, and you move through history and you, and you see the power of God displayed upon his people the nation of Israel, and in battles and things like that, the walls of Jericho falling down, and all these things. Paul's saying, do you realize that that same power that God did all that with is available to you, the church, his people? And then Paul uh, picks up a specific illustration of God's power. He says, this power, verse 20, God also exercised in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the heavenly realms. Paul says, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power he wants to share with you and I. It's the same power he wants his church to have. It's the same power he wants us as Christians to live by every day. And he's already given it to us. But because many of us have lost our identity, we don't know what we already have. I mean, this is a lame maybe way to illustrate it, but it's almost like, as I was thinking, it's like a, it would be like a person who's living really in this palace, this, this castle that, that has all these wonderful rooms and, and just Things to enjoy, things to use, things to make life, you know, more enjoyable and just be able to manage life even better. And yet the person who lives in this mansion, this palace, chooses to live in this little closet. Yet they could have access to this whole giant place filled with all this stuff to make their life look totally different, but they choose to live in this little square closet. I I think that's what Paul's trying to describe here. It's like so many Christians. We have all this, but we're living as if we've only got this. And Paul's saying to the Ephesian Christians and to the church at Ephesus, and he's saying to all of us today, do we realize what we have? Do we realize who and whose we are? Have we lost our identity? Notice Paul goes on to say, oh, and by the way, the supremacy of Jesus Christ is for the benefit of the church, his people. Because he says, when Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, 
Notice that God elevated him to the right hand of God the Father in heavenly realms. And then verse 21 says, far above. And in the original language, it really means really far above. Every other rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. Picture it. Our leader, our savior, our deliverer, our preserver, our sustainer is in the place of supremacy, authority, and dominion that Paul says is far above anything else in the universe. And then he goes on to say, and let me say this another way. And God the Father has put or placed each and everything under the feet of Christ. Under His authority. Under His power. Subordinate to Jesus. So I want you to picture this today. I want you to envision this even for your own life and the life of our church here at the Oasis. I want you to picture Jesus Christ on the throne at the right hand of God the Father. In His glory. The glorified Jesus Christ. And I want you to picture it way up there. Because He's far above anything else. And then way, way down from Jesus. Way underneath his feet. I want you to picture everything else. And Paul says, so church, how does that translate? How does that apply to us? I know some of you that took that Bible study class, you're going, oh, I'm getting this now. Well, here's how it applies to us. That means anything physical that we're struggling with, way under the feet of Christ. Anything emotionally you're struggling with, way under the feet of Christ. Anything spiritually that you're being challenged by, way under the feet of Christ. Paul's saying there is nothing that's even close to not being under the authority and power and dominion and is subordinate to Jesus Christ. Everything's under Him. So that means that if I'm in Christ and my identity is in Him, then there is nothing that even should come close To somehow challenging me. I should be able to see victory and overcome. Not because of who I am, but because of whose I am. My identity isn't in me. My identity is in Christ. I have His power. I have the wealth of the saints around me. And the wealth that God has placed in me. I have the hope of His calling. I know who I am because I'm beginning to understand who Jesus is. And there is nothing that even comes close to Jesus Christ. There's nothing. So you can imagine how it grieves the heart of God. To look down and see us, His children, struggle so with things that should not be so much of a struggle. Because we're either trying to do it and overcome it and get victory over in our own power and strength instead of using his supernatural power that he's displayed throughout history and raised Jesus from the dead with. 
or we're trying to figure things out ourselves rather than relying on his wisdom that he's already given us. You see, I mean, it would just be like a parent who is just sitting back for a while, observing their child, just struggling so to do something that's probably would be pretty simple for the parent to do, and yet the child just can't get it because all the child would have to do is say, Mom or Dad, how do I do this? And the dad or mom could just come up and say, Oh, son or daughter, here, you just, you just put that there and there. Oh, okay. So, so you can imagine on a much bigger level how God feels whenever we're sitting down here trying to figure things out, figure out the pieces of the puzzle to our life. All, and all we would have to do is just say, hey, God, could you help? And like Nicole even said this morning, God will run to help us. I mean, we look to him for help. It's not like, well, I, I might have time for you and, and maybe I'll be in it. No. God's more than interested. But he also wants to see that we're willing to grow in our knowledge of him because he understands what many times we don't. And that is that if we want to know who we are, we don't focus on ourselves. We focus on getting to know Christ. A progressively just to get more intimately acquainted with Jesus Christ every day. And then I love this. So God put all things under Christ's feet, verse 22, and then gave him to who? I got to hear this. Who is it, church? The church, yes. Oh my goodness. Christ is all about the church because God gave him to the church. And notice Paul goes on to say, he's head over the church. He's our leader and he's our life. See, I think the reason, one of the reasons why Paul used the, the uh, illustration of the head as Christ and we are, we're going to say we're his body is because you and I, we can have life even physically if one of our limbs gets taken off or something like that. We can still be alive. But nobody can live apart from their head. There is no life when the head is cut off. And so Paul's saying, not only is Jesus to be our leader, he is our very life. He, he's our very vitality. Without the head, the body has no life. And he has given Jesus Christ to the church as head over all things. And then verse 23. And this is the verse I really want to leave implanted in our minds today. In fact, I want to encourage you this coming week. Would you think about memorizing this verse? Would you think about meditating on this verse every day? And here's the verse. Now the church... Each and every community of believers is his body. We are Jesus Christ's physical representation on earth. That's why it really is theologically correct to say we are the hands and feet of Jesus. Because, because Jesus is physically in heaven, far above everything else, on the throne, ruling the universe, he has placed the responsibility of being him on this earth now to his people, the church. 
But folks, it's not like he gave us this role and this responsibility in history and and gave us nothing. No. Notice what Paul goes on to say. We, the church, the people of God, don't miss this, are the fullness of him who has filled all in all. We're full because he's filled us. Just like in chapter 1, verse 3, we are blessed for he has blessed us. Now Paul is saying, we are full because He, Jesus, has filled us. Think about that. How many churches and community of believers are meeting today who feel empty? Who are coming as a body of believers saying, God, I'm so empty, fill me. I got nothing. And God is saying, my son's already filled you. Do you not see it? Do you not recognize it? Do you not appreciate it? Maybe because there's no growing knowledge of him in our lives. How many Christians today feel like we got nothing? I'm empty. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says if we are truly a child of God, we're full. Because he's already filled us. He's already blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Here's what Paul's saying to the church and to the people of God. God has held nothing back from us that we truly need. That's what he's saying. We somehow, uh, so many times as churches and and as, as the people of God feel lacking and deficient and God hasn't equipped me properly and God hasn't outfitted me in my life, hasn't given me what I need. If God just showed up and gave me more of what I need, I could navigate life better. And God is saying to his people, no, the problem is you have not dedicated yourself to grow in your knowledge of me so that you truly understand who you are and what you already have. You are full. Live as if you are the filled people of God. I want you to remind yourself of that this week. Every morning, I want to encourage you as the people of the Oasis to get up every day and recite Ephesians 1.23. I am Christ's body, part of it. I am his physical representation on earth. And God has filled me. I'm full. For he has filled me. I am full. For he has filled me. May we here at the Oasis begin to understand our identity. And may we pray and strive and work towards helping other Christians and other churches find their identity. Because so many people out there today who claim to be Christians and so many churches out there today who claim to be following God have no idea what they already have. They're still looking for it. They're still looking for it. And they don't realize that they're full. Would you stand with me this morning?
before I pray, the song that we're going to end with today is really a song that reminds us about our identity in Jesus Christ. Being, being united, being joined, being immersed in Jesus Christ. Saying, God, I abandon myself to you. It's about knowing you because if I truly know you, I will begin to know myself. I'll begin to find my identity when I focus on you and stop focusing on me. That's what this song's about. That's what God calls his people to do. Stop following the ways of the world and trying to find our identity and focusing on ourselves and start finding our identity by focusing on Jesus Christ. Our Father God. Oh, that we might realize and recognize and appreciate what you have already done for us. God, how that would transform our lives and our life as a church. How even our worship would be different. If instead of coming to church, gathering together as your people, seeking to keep getting things from you, rather than coming realizing what we've already been given and celebrating it, that's where worship really will go to a whole other level. It is recognizing the wealth and the riches and the abundance that God has already poured into our lives. We just got to start using it and acknowledging it and appropriating it, what we've already been given in Christ. God, may we abandon ourselves to you today and find ourselves in you today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.